From an array of highly secure top secret locations throughout South Texas, this is the final Spurs Insider podcast of the year 2020. It is the first Spurs Insider podcast of the 2020-2021 NBA season. I am Mike Finger, back with Nick Talbot, Tom Ringo Starr Orsborne, and Jeff Hot Take McDonald, who just created a storm during last week's podcast. I am told that we're actually down a listener this week because some people have left outraged by Jeff's hot take, McDonald's hot take. And we're going to start right there. Jeff, last week you predicted the San Antonio Spurs might be the worst team in the Western Conference, would start the season 0-3. How do you feel about that right now? Uh, You know, the one listener we lost was my brother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He said, this guy's an idiot. I'm out of here. He knows um, you best. I, I I think I'm being mischaracterized a little bit. Did you say predicted? I did not predict such a thing. I just threw it out as a topic of, of, of discussion. Uh-huh. What do you guys think about this? And you guys told me I was wrong and I, I believed you. Well, how do you how do you feel about that now? I think they're going to the finals. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, no, they've 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 played well. Even you know, they, well, they didn't play particularly well in the loss, but but they were competitive. They could have won that game. They could very easily be three. You know, um, they're they're looking they're looking like a team, like a team of people that that know how to play each play with each other. And I would like it to amend my hot take, I guess, in that it looks like they're going to be pretty much fine against teams uh, that are not named the Lakers, which <laughs> that could be a problem coming up here in the next week or two. But but against the Memphises and the New Orleans. And even the Torontos of the world, they, they seem to belong in, in that um, on the floor with those guys, and they look good. Among the many encouraging signs for the local cagers this week. Did you say um, local cagers? Yes, I'm trying to, to um, relate to the, uh, the still going young generation. The demographic here with the 60-plus. <laughs> exactly. I think exactly. even that, like that 1920s radio guy thinks you're a little over the top right now. Well, I think one of the many encouraging things for the local cagers this week uh, were the way that they were just the cat's pajamas, not only early in games, but against both the Raptors and the Pelicans. It seemed like they were in danger of of going away and, and, and letting a game get out of control and stay competitive through the end against the Raptors had, had quite a finish um, involving a couple of the older guys. Um, that kind of put it over the top, and and that Pelicans game could have got ugly on Sunday pretty quickly, and still made it interesting down to the end. Um, it's just not not just a few guys playing well. It seems like the entire rotation is, and uh, they're finding ways to 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 stay in games, even even when it looks like they they could lose games. So, uh, yeah. go yeah. ahead, Tom. They were getting up and down the court. Like a thin clads meet at Alamo Stadium. Uh, and you know those those words, thin clads, cagers, gritters. Uh-huh. Uh, when I started out, I'm 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 dating myself. Those were those were accepted terms. We used yeah. them all the time. Yeah. And how long did the Express News continue to thrive? 
after you're using those terms? Decades. Decades. I, pre- I predict the same thing for this podcast. We start right. out with these terms and it's just going to continue. There's going to be no, no, no ceiling for, for the number of listeners. We might get into triple digits. I dare, I don't want to dare to dream that high, but triple digit listeners, maybe by the end of the decade, I think that's worth shooting for. Much is, is, like, everybody, is everybody drunk this morning? Is this what goes, what's going on? Like, are we also kind of... There's a giddiness to the start of a season because for for so long on this Spurs Insider podcast, we were talking about the same boring off-season narratives, um, debating the same old tired topics. And now there's games to talk about. There is new enthusiasm in the air with the San Antonio Spurs starting out. We didn't, we haven't even uh, mentioned their record, but they, they started out two and one with victories over the Memphis Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors and a close loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, we're not going to be talking all season about draft positioning. I mean, they, they might end up not making the playoffs. They might end up 11, 12, 13th in the West. There, there'd be no shame in that. But at least, last, it seems, at least it seems like there's going to be interesting stuff to talk about this year. And if, and if that makes me intoxicated on, on some kind of optimism, then, then that's fine. Why don't we talk about why old man Pop won't play Trey Jones? Let's, let's, not, <laughs> let's not ruin this podcast with cynicism and uh, sarcasm. And stuff like that. Well, That's that, I guess that, I that was, that was last year. I'll see you guys later. What else is Jeff good for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tom is the person who is the most reasonable, most down to earth. And I, I want to. I'm being over the top. Jeff is being the guy with the cloud, dark cloud I'm, I'm over the top. The yes. uh, Tom, just a reasonable take. On the first week of the Spurs season, what 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 is the what is the the down the middle reaction to what you saw in those first three games? Uh, they they exceeded expectations. Um, optimism is high, but as Jeff pointed out, you know there's there's you know they got some tough tests ahead, and uh, you know we'll find out um, on Wednesday just where they stand. Um, you know, it's uh, but yeah, a lot of reasons for optimism. The young guys are showing up and playing really well. The old guys, with the exception of last night, you know, are, are doing their part. So it seems to be a good blend of, of youth and uh, experience, just just like they hope hope they would have. We, we talked about say- it going into the year, but it's all pace, right? I mean, that's that's really been the difference. Is they're playing at the pace they want to be? I I, don't, I haven't checked the numbers. Today, but going into that uh, New Orleans game, they were seventh in the league in pace, which they've always always been. Even when they've tried to up the pace a little bit, they've always just not not kept up with the league in, in that in that category. So they're they're playing faster and up tempo, like they said they wanted to, um, and it seems to be working for them so far. It, it plays to the strengths of this team really, uh, really well. And I will say, no, they haven't played the Lakers yet. They haven't played the Bucks. Whoever else, the Celtics, whoever else, people are predicting as the absolute elite of the of the league. But these haven't been three bad teams. These are three no. teams that you could consider at least playoff contenders. Probably two of the, I would predict that two of those three for sure will be in the playoffs. I won't say which two, 
but um, Toronto and I, another one. Toronto and yeah, and um, either the Pelicans or Grizzlies could make it. Um, so I mean, the the issue is that there's just not a team in the Western Conference that they're going to play all year that you're going to say, ah, that team is terrible and it's not going to make it. Maybe the Thunder. The Warriors haven't started out great. Um, But I I guess that's the next thing to get into, as well as the Spurs look this first week. It's not like um, other teams around the conference, especially, aren't feeling the same kind of enthusiasm and optimism. I mean, Sacramento started pretty strong. Minnesota started pretty strong. On down the line, it's going to be a tough battle for even uh, those, those ninth and 10 spots all year. It's just, I guess if, if you're a Spurs fan, it's nice to know that uh, there are reasons to believe that you can be one of those teams that are, yeah. that are fighting for those spots. Three of the next five games are against the Los Angeles Lakers, who I believe uh, won a game yesterday by 427 points. Uh, but not as much as the Mavericks did. Right. The Mavericks won by 428. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but only won the set. The Mavs only won the second half by one, though. Yeah. <laughs> what the did, next five games are going to be telling, though? I mean, three of the next five against the Lakers, of course, that's about as tough as you can get. But you also have games against the Jazz and the Clippers there too, which, you know, on paper, those are two for sure playoff teams. And they may only yeah. beat the Clippers by twenty-five. Clippers are reeling. Um, uh, but but the, the record is not going to look great, I don't think, here in a, in a, in a week or two, I, just just because of the strength schedule. That would be my prediction. I would see that I would I would, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. The record doesn't look great. And then the schedule softens a little bit. And if, if they're still playing well, they can get some of those games back. How, how much less do you think the edge is uh, in terms of the home court advantage this year, having seen? Several of these games. I mean, not to pull a pop, but I don't know how to measure that. But it's it's yeah. probably palpable or not palpable. I don't, I don't know how you want to phrase it, but it does make a difference, I would think. Like it's it's probably, um, you know, if 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 it, if it added five percent to a team in, in in normal circumstances, maybe it's down to two or three now. I think it's definitely less and. Um, I think that was kind of evident in the Pelicans game where that's, that, that's a game where Zion is snowbirding dunks and, and uh, the Pelicans are pulling away. And, and in normal circumstances, the crowd could have gone crazy and, and that might have been it. Well, well let me but ask you this. Be, you, are, you, are, you actually were at a game in person. I think you're the uh-huh. only one on this podcast that was, that Toronto game. So the, the, the big the, kind of the go-ahead play in that Toronto game is, is that – um, possession where the Spurs missed two or three shots. Finally, right. Lamarcus Aldridge snags the rebound in traffic, puts up kind of a, a falling away uh, shot off the glass for the lead. What was the reaction in the AT and T Center at that point? Because there's no fans. Like, what did, did anybody do anything? It was just the big guy yelling. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, I, we're up there for fans who've been in the AT and T Center before. Um, the HB, HEB fan zone way up at the top on the, what is that, the west side of the arena, uh, balcony level. So way, way up there is where they have us. They don't want us uh, breathing any of the same air if possible as the, as the players. Um, you could hear like the Spurs bench from there, and that's about it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of bizarre um, that 
most years the arena would have just exploded. Um, yeah. For a play uh, like uh, that. And, uh, um, John, thing- uh, I'm sorry, Mike, go, go ahead. ahead Tom. Well, I was going to say Sean Elliott, who, who probably started his career being referred to as a cager, uh-huh. um, <laughs> pointed out in the opener that, uh, John Morantz, you know, his 44 points, right just kind of fell flat because they're the crowd's not there to go nuts and, and, and give them the advantage you would hope for in a great performance like that. To bore people with more inside um, sports writing nonsense. A lot of times in the second half, when you're facing a deadline, you're doing a lot of writing. If whether you're courtside or higher up or anywhere in the arena bowl, you're kind of looking at your screen and hearing the crowd around you. And that provides your cues as to what's going on, whether you should look up or not, because you're kind of trying to write and watch and monitor at the same time. And the funny thing about Saturday was I'm spending a lot of the second half writing and there's none of those. It's almost like just a murmur and you can't really, there are no cues from the crowd to let you know who's on a run or what's going badly. And that was, that was, Again, kind of an eerie, surreal uh, vibe to the whole thing, and that it's just kind of two teams down there playing like at a YMCA or whatever. And uh, I, I think that to go back to what started this, I think that's going to have an impact on games throughout the year, as long as fans aren't around, where that home team might not have as big of an edge as it had in the past. And that's not going to change at the AT and T Center time soon. It sounds like Tom. Tom just had some uh, breaking news on that. Go ahead and update our our listeners. Yeah, the Spurs uh, announced this morning that they're they're scrapping the plan to uh, begin having fans at the arena on a limited basis. They were hoping to start that on on Friday, the New Year's Day game against the Lakers. But you know, acting on the advice of public health officials and um, of course uh, uh, the county's top official Nelson Wolf. Judge Nelson Wolf weighed in on that this weekend, uh, recommending that they hold off uh, on having fans due to the belief that numbers are going to spike. COVID numbers will spike after the Christmas gathering. So the Spurs followed that advice. They've set aside that plan. And uh, um, so, yeah, it's going to be more more YMCA type games at the AT&T Center. And I think that's probably the responsible thing to do. It, it wasn't just one County official, I think, that turned this. I think the Spurs had been monitoring this like a lot of teams. I mean, the I don't believe the Mavericks or the Rockets are having fans yet, are they, in the state of Texas? Correct. Um, it's just it's just not the thing to do. And, and in walking into the arena on Saturday, um, again, quiet parking lot outside. There's some security people there letting us in the entrance. Um, I asked them about how they feel about being there. Uh, and one of, one of them mentioned, you know, well, we, we, we might have fans on Friday. And I said, I'm skeptical. And all four of them at the same time said, we are too. And, and in other words, like, even though uh, they were ready, they were preparing, they knew that this announcement probably was coming be, just because you can read the news, you know, what's happening out there. And it, and uh, you know, the, as, as Greg Popovich said the other night, that they can't wait to have fans there. They 
they value their fans like every other franchise in the league does. It's just uh, they owe they owe fans a safe environment, and that's not possible yet. And so. this kind of felt like an ambitious plan when they announced it a couple weeks before the season, even right? Like I remember ta- right. us talking about it on the podcast. Like I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to pull this off. And I, I guess kudos to the Spurs for not just stubbornly sticking to their guns January 1st. So I feel like they're doing the right thing here. Yeah. Uh, And one of the reasons obviously was because who, one of the reasons they were shooting for that is because of who they were playing on January 1st. Right. The Lakers, the Lakers is, that's one of the big crowds of the year. And to miss out on that gate. Both of them. I mean, they're both the Lakers dates are this week and they're going to have no fans on them. And then the Lakers aren't coming back. Right. And for a, a team in a smaller television market uh, that relies kind of disproportionately on on arena revenue, you know, they don't have the huge television contract that the Lakers or Knicks or one of those big teams have. It's it's significant to to not have those dates, and you know, no one is no one in, in these times in this era of American history is going to play any violins or sad songs for an NBA team, but you know. They're they're dealing with the same realities that a lot of people are, and uh, a lot of businesses. Yeah, I mean, even in the heyday when the they're winning championships and the arena is packed every night and they're playing the maximum number of playoff games you can play, um, it was still kind of a break even business year in and year out. Like the, the margins right. are that thin. So yeah. to to lose all these home games, all these big home games, it's it's gonna it's gonna leave a mark. Yeah, yeah. Well, to, to I mean that is kind of a stark reality for them uh, to get back into something that they can feel a little better about. Uh, We can get into the basketball itself. Um, And one of the, one of the things that I was kind of intrigued by during this first week, I guess that, I guess there was two parallel storylines. One about the Kelvin Johnson, Devin Vassell, Lonnie Walker, uh, DeJounte Murray, that young guard that's kind of becoming a bigger part of the core. And we anticipated that that would happen this year. But in all three of these games, the old guys have played huge roles. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the last minute of the, the Raptors game, you had a DeMar DeRozan three-pointer that cuts a four-point deficit to one. You have the LaMarcus Aldridge putback that Jeff talked about earlier. After he had not had a great night, um, he gives them the lead. And then I believe Rudy Gay hits two free throws. Um, all, all, and, and Patty Mills has had a huge first week. Basically, all four of the veteran upcoming free agents have played well this week. And I guess I'm wondering for the group how long we expect that. Well, I'm, I'm going to quibble with a, I'm going to quibble a little bit. Uh, LaMarcus has been uh, not, not great. He had, he's had his money. I agree. I just, I mean, he had, he had the play in in a victory. He had, he had a big play, but that salvaged a really kind of iffy night for him. And then in new Orleans, um, he was basically might, might as well not have gone on the trip. Right. Well, he didn't, he only played 20 minutes. He only played 20 minutes and was not. He he had a good opener, had a good opener, 20 points. um, But, you know, in his defense, traditionally he starts off slow every year. Uh, since he's been a Spur, so uh, not gonna not gonna pass judgment real quickly on him. Just need I, I think too coming off that long layoff, just still needs to shake some rust and get his legs underneath him. 
I guess I, I stand corrected on on lumping Lamarcus into the group, but Hattie Mills has played well. Rudy Gay has played well. DeMar DeRozan has played well, uh, aside from maybe the last possession uh, at New Orleans. Um, and again, it's too early to make broad pronouncements about what this season is going to be, whether they need to be totally concerned about fighting for a playoff spot, um, abandoning the youth movement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that if the young guys continue to become more and more part of the focus, while you still get those contributions from DeMar and Patty and Rudy and Phil Marcus plays better, like those could be, those all could be good developments. I think it's been a good mix so far. Like in the short term, I don't see any reason to change anything they're doing, really. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't talked much uh, about Kel- we haven't talked much about Kelvin though, but that was sort of a surprise uh, opening night start to me. I mean, we didn't even know he was on the trip until he's talking to us from Memphis, right. <laughs> and then he's in the starting lineup and playing well. And I, it, it makes a lot of sense when you were kind of going through the permutations of, of how lineups would unfold, would LaMarcus play with Pirtle? Um, how would they deal with the front court situation going into the year? Like one thing that I, I didn't anticipate and I'm not sure any of us did was that Keldon would become that starting four. And it makes a whole lot of sense. Like it makes everything kind of fit into place where LaMarcus is your starting center. Pirtle is your backup. And Pirtle's a great backup center, by the way. Love, love he's had, watching a, great, him he's play. had a great start. I'm, I'm maybe irrationally in love with Jakob Pirtle. Yeah, yeah. But, but being able to play Keldon at that four where he can ha- – didn't he – wasn't he guarding Zion? Wasn't he guarding he Siakam? From, yeah, he went from guarding Siakam to guarding – that's the kind of thing he's going to have to be able to do in order for right. that to really, really work. But, I mean, who else do they have? Like, even if he's not – I thought he did pretty good. Yeah, I guess yeah. in both those matchups. But even if he does get beat in those matchups, who else do they have? Like, it's not like they've, they've got some, st- you know, stud over there that, that could shut those guys down. So you don't lose much. Even, right. Because he's going to be undersized for a four. And that beats that beats um, the, the option of either playing Aldridge and Pearl together to have one of those two guys guarding one of those fours. And neither one of those guys are – Great against Zion or Siakam either, by the way. No, exactly. That's my uh, point. Yeah. Or or like adding more Trey Lyles. And Trey Lyles might become something. I'm not an anti-Trey Lyles person, but that's just not as dynamic or interesting with him in the lineup as it is with being able to go kind of small ball and letting Kelvin play the four. Rudy as your backup four. Um I I, I for all the grief that some Spurs fans uh, have given Greg Popovich in recent years about lineups. I, I think it, so far this seems to be pretty forward-looking and and interesting the way he's he's broken this down. We'll see. So what? Go what ahead, happens Tom. when Derek when Derek's back in the mix? The ha- what, what impact does that have? It's like Ringo read my mind about my next question. We'll let uh, Jeff or Nick uh, handle that first. Go for it, Jeff. Jeff might be gone. Donald? <laughs> Mueller? Mueller? Well, we can we can speak for Jeff. I think if Jeff were here, he would say that Derek White should be traded. 
um, since he's, <laughs> but since he's not here, um, I, I think that if you look at the lineup, I, uh, you like the way Keldon fits into that four spot. The Mars probably continues at the three, and then it becomes a question of either Lonnie Walker or Derek at the two. And I think either one of them could fit. And the other one comes off the bench. Derek seems like the kind of guy who would be able to swallow his pride a little bit and, and thrive coming off the bench um, with that second unit and, and could be kind of the star of that unit. Uh, everything run through through him. That could be a, uh, uh, a way to go for the Spurs, but also you could play DeJounte and, and uh, Derek together and let Lonnie play that role off the bench. I know what Spurs Twitter would like to do with that. You just move Kellen well, to five and put LaMarcus on the bench, play all five of those. Games. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. I, I, I mean, if, if LaMarcus does end up missing some time and I, I do wonder about the, the thinking did, did pop. I was not on the zoom last night. Did pop address the 20 minutes from LaMarcus? Was that about the back to back? Was that just play it by ear or did he, did he say uh, probably all of the above yeah. uh, before the game pop said, there's no reason to worry about minutes and, and legs and it's the third game of the year, which is kind of funny because that would used to not be his, his reaction at all, his yeah. MO at all, but it's early and we don't have to worry about minutes and who sits and who, but I, <laughs> LaMarcus didn't play well. He didn't. He didn't play he well. Well, my point is that if, if he's not on the floor, then then Pirtle yeah. should be. And yeah. Pirtle is I, – I know that the numbers didn't necessarily bear this out uh, because our friend you know, Dan Weiss mentioned on the broadcast last night that the, the starting unit actually played at a much, much, much higher pace than anybody anticipated, way higher than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and LaMarcus is part of that. But it seems like every time Pirtle comes in the game, they play even faster and there's more activity. And that might not, the numbers might not bear that out, but he just brings this energy and this, this sense of pace that I think really works well with whether he's playing with the backup unit or the starting unit. And he's such a great screen setter. He's a good roller. Um, we've talked about it a lot. They talk about it on TV a lot. He should probably dunk more on those rolls instead of missing layups every now and then. Um, uh, I love watching him grapple for rebounds, though. That might be my favorite thing that he does. He gets a lot of rebounds you don't expect him to get. And that he's he's the one big on the team that, that does that, really. I'm not sure if you had a, a, a Ringo-like lapse in your connection earlier when we, when we brought up the Derek question, but you were given an opportunity to, to talk about the return of Derek White. Um, would you like to address that now? What would what you anticipate there? Uh, no, I think you guys covered it pretty well. I had to hit pause to yell at my children. Sorry. I see. <laughs> I see. What what they what they oh, like to do is they like to they like to be quiet all day long until I'm doing something, and then well, then, then they decide to start um, start uh, feuding. To be fair, those moments when you're doing something are not very frequent, correct? Uh, well, they are now. <laughs> Talking to you, idiots. Um, the, the reason for this podcast is to remind everyone to go to the Express News, to expressnews.com for your Spurs coverage. Lots of Jeff McDonald doing things, Tom Orsborne doing things, um, coverage of the Spurs. We have our Spurs Nation newsletter. Hit that up when you get a chance. Um, looking forward, we've mentioned this already this week. 
the Los Angeles Lakers at the AT&T Center with no fans on Wednesday and Friday, the Utah Jazz on Sunday. Tom Orsborn, give us a preview of what we might see over the next week. It's going to be, I think I'm going to side with uh, Jeff's uh, cynicism or negative outlook here. That's going to be a tough one. Realism. It's realism. <laughs> realism. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're keeping it real. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough week with the Lakers. Uh, um, so yeah, but I mean, that's good. They, they need to find out where they're at and, and uh, be in those kind of games and, and, you know, move on from there. What do the Lakers do for, uh, what, three days in San Antonio around New Year's? Like when you can't really, there's nothing. Ooh. Downtown is kind of shut down during a pandemic. I, I wonder about that. Like maybe they'll they'll go so stir crazy that the Spurs will be able to jump on them on on uh, on New Year's Day. Is that something? You you are an optimist. You're always popping sh- sunshine on this thing. I don't know. That's, that's, kind of your, that's kind of your reputation. I, I, I that is that is your reputation. Is it sunny, bright, sunshine pumping? Eternal optimist who sees only the good in the world. That's that's you. That's 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 who I am. That's what I bring. Um, around He's the, Paul McCartney. <laughs> around the league. <laughs> around the league this week, uh, we can we can close it. Uh, looking at the rest of the NBA, we had the. Drama, continuing drama in Houston, where James Harden has made his return. We had the Dallas Mavericks beating the uh, Los Angeles Clippers by more than 50 points. Kawhi Leonard seems to be some unrest there. Um, We have the West continuing to look like uh, a juggernaut from top to bottom. Any overall impressions of the association through the first week? I guess not. I'm here. What did you ask me? Um, <laughs> what's what? What are you making? At your that kids time, for, I just got bored. I wasn't what are you thinking. making your kids for lunch? Huh? What are you making your kids for lunch? I mean, that's the problem. Uh, feed us lunch, Daddy. They're so whiny. Yeah. <laughs> I still think it's too early to have a lot of. A, I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers are three and zero. I mean, there's. There's yeah. not a lot you can make out of this early. Um, a lot of teams are still feeling each other, feeling out what they have. So it's really tough. I mean, you look at the Warriors and everyone thought they were going to be a lot better, but then Cody Obrey can't hit a – I don't even think he's hit a jumper yet. Only He's only hit like three shots. He's awful. Um, and, and so it's it's really hard to gauge everything. The Bucs are one and two. The Celtics are one and two. At so I think it's still early, and in the next couple of weeks we'll start kind of feeling out what you know where everyone's at. Like you said, the Spurs have the test these next five games to kind of feel, figure out where they're at, and I think we'll see that with the rest of the NBA kind of come to fold too. And then we got to see where the James Harden saga goes. That 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 could play out all year. We don't know, at least until the trade deadline. Yeah, I just I just bet the Spurs just can't wait to get to Minnesota, get this get this like terrible stretch behind them. This this rugged stretch behind them, and by the way, like going to Minnesota, like Minnesota is not terrible either. I don't know if Towns is going to be available for those games or not, but even your reprieve games aren't aren't you know slam dunks. 
Yeah. Um, to overreact to this first week, do you feel um, more, how much more confident, how much more of a possibility do you think the uh, a playoff run is now than when we recorded this a week ago? Um, I, what I will say is that the chances of them finishing last or less to me are reduced. <laughs> I feel, I feel worse about that hot take. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But again, all you have to do is get to 10th and then you're, you have a shot. So they could finish, they could finish eighth, ninth, 10th, seventh. They could, that seems doable after three games. It does. And as we conclude what has been a kind of a bummer a year for a lot of people, um, I guess it's not the worst thing to to uh, in in this small corner of the world to think that something is doable, um, and uh, at least the Spurs have something to build on going into next year. It could be a rough week, it could be a rough season, but uh, there are reasons for optimism, and we will continue to be a bright, shiny corner of this world, a, a place for hope and rosy outlooks as we head into 2021, which should be better for everyone. And uh, until we see you again, I implore you to take care of each other and to keep it real. Uh, Peace. Yes. (laughs) Such a peaceful exit.